Do I need a life coach? You're listening to episode 57 with Rhiannon Bush. Welcome to the Do I Need a Life Coach podcast. We're here to discuss the ins and outs of the life coaching industry and give you tools to use to see for yourself. I'm your host, Rhiannon Bush, mother, management consultant, and a passionate, certified life coach. Well, hello, my friends. I hope you have had an immensely wonderful week. I know that might be a stretch, <laughs> but I really do. I hope you've had a wonderful, wonderful week. I was, uh, I went on a walk yesterday up around Car Villa, which is a cemetery close to where I live. And I really feel very humbled each time I go in there, just realizing the lives that have been lived and, you know, those that are no longer with us. Uh, most of them, you know, my grandparents are up there and um yeah I just I enjoy reading the headstones and the the years and realizing how old some people were and how young others were and and just wondering what kind of a life they had and you know some and so many actually when I go up there are just they're so young their their lives are cut way too short way too fast so you know, it's always a very humbling experience and a very beautiful one. I, I don't, I can understand why some people get quite freaked out in cemeteries, um, but I've never felt that way. I think we have as much to learn from, yeah, the process that we as humans go through in our passing as we do, you know, in the way that we come into the world, which in Australia, we don't, we don't celebrate or we don't. We tend to celebrate life as in birth. You know, babies are very celebrated and pregnant women and, you know, it's, it's yeah, that, that part of life is very in the spotlight and very celebrated and honoured and cherished as it should be. And the other end of our lives, you know, coming full circle, I feel like the end of our days is very much under the rug and not spoken about and not brought to light. And let's be honest, it's not a pleasant topic. It's extremely confronting. But what if it wasn't? What if it wasn't? What if by talking about it and planning for it and accepting it, we lived a much more purposeful, meaningful life because we were much more conscious of the fact that we wouldn't be here for a long time. I think we all know it. Well, we do. We all know that <laughs> our days are numbered. And while it's not something we need to be reminded of every second of every day, I question if we were more accepting of talking about it, whether we would put more emphasis on what we wanted to contribute and on kindness to one another and things that were driven from our moral compass and the values that we hold dear instead of it being about materialistic things or, you know, things that don't actually, at the end of the day, matter. All very highly philosophical questions. Um, but it just really makes me wonder when I hear about the ways different cultures acknowledge and celebrate death 
and somebody's passing, um, yeah, how how that affects us. So I, I was talking to somebody recently who's New Zealand heritage and she was talking about the lengthy process that they have um, to say goodbye to somebody and to send them off. And it's significant. It's like a few weeks of just, you know, like revolving door policy where, you know, people are popping in and popping out and, you know, you're laughing one minute and singing the next and crying another. Like it just, yeah, it it was a completely different process to us that, you know, we have a funeral and awake and then it's done. It's no, no longer spoken about or we can obviously talk about it with those we love, but yeah, there's no sort of mourning period or lengthy lengthy amount of time to allow us to grieve and acknowledge the loss that we experience when somebody that we love and has meant a lot to us passes and is no longer with us. And on that really exciting, happy, upbeat note, <laughs> I did want to talk about loss today. I lost my grandfather recently and I found it extremely sad. I was so lucky to have him for such a long time. So he was 92 years old. So there's not much I can complain about it. I, I don't feel, and obviously I'm not, hard done by in any way. He'd lived an incredible life. And what I love so much about having him around for as long as I did was that with that time, I got all his stories. I got the stories of his days on the hop farm when he was a child. You know, he left school at the age of 10. I remember him telling me about draft horses and how when a horse was sick, in a stable, they would put beams underneath their belly between their legs because if the horse went down, you wouldn't get it up again. And he always said horses were absolute cowards in that way. They Once they were down, they wouldn't get back up. I remember him talking about the cold. And when he first saw Nana, his wife, I got all the stories of his days after he'd become a father and he was working and of my aunts and uncles you know, and then their children and when they were children, all of it. So I feel incredibly lucky and grateful to have known him while I was an adult and to be able to remember so many of the things that he shared and the stories and the wisdom that he had. And he had his mind right up until he went, which I think is an absolute amazing, just incredible. And so many people don't. And so I think yeah, I was lucky because I could go and talk to him and sit down and just shoot the, the breeze. And yeah, it was very, very special for me, especially as I was grappling with things. And yeah, he would just give me wisdom that no one else could because no one else had his years that I know in my life or, or that I talk to. So I really feel as though, you know, we don't treat oldies with the respect they deserve. And I see why that happens, but it still makes me sad. I remember being in Sydney and I, there was an elderly woman getting on a bus and she had two bags of groceries. I mean, she could barely lift them. But the bus came a bit early and she was frantically trying to get her ticket and I offered to help. I offered to carry her bag onto the bus and she got super defensive and snapped at me. She, was, she told, told me to back off and I just thought, wow, I get it and it's okay and I did. I respected that. But so sad that she saw me as a threat and that I wasn't there to help her and I just thought it was awful. 
Um, I'm reading a book at the moment that shared a study done on American college students from 1982 to 2007. And the cases of narcissism grew exponentially due to the selfish nature our generations are being raised with after the Industrial Revolution, particularly in America, with the golden bull of Wall Street symbolizing power and prosperity. You know, but oldies have so much wisdom. They have seen so much. And it's an incredible thing to me, the lifetimes that they've lived through, the changes they've lived through and they've witnessed. And that as a society, we don't embrace their stories and embrace their learnings, you know, and all that they can offer us around balance and the meaning of life. So today I want to talk about loss. And to be completely honest with you, I don't have a lot of strategies on how to deal with it. I'm not going to tell you that you can fix it because I'm trying to work that out for myself. I saw my grandfather the night he died to say goodbye. And I mean his body. And it was very confronting. I've never seen a cadaver. Um, And while it was very confronting, it was also really lovely in the way that it gave me a sense of closure. It enabled me to see that his spirit had left. And I gave him a cuddle. And I got to smell his smell because it still smelt like him. And I got to say goodbye. And I thought that I'd released a lot of my sadness that night so much sadness um, that I thought I didn't have a lot left to be sad about. It wasn't a surprise at 92 that he'd passed. But, you know, I was wrong. I was very, very wrong. And for those of you who listen to me a lot, you'll know that, you know, I talk about emotions being stored in the body. And I know, you know, that what we repress remains. So really, there's no point in repressing it. We need to find a way to release emotions, you know, in a socially acceptable way to remain healthy and to remain balanced. And one of the things I think is true is that that doesn't apply to only negative emotions, but positive ones as well. Often, when we experience something good, we want to share it. And it's also what attracts us to other people. Because when we experience good emotions, we want to be around people that are also experiencing those same emotions. I don't know if you've ever been in a friendship group where you've been really vibing, whether it's a night out or for an event, and then some negative Nancy walks in, boy or girl, walks in, and it's just like, take that negativity elsewhere. Like, don't be coming in here ruining our vibes. We've got this. And I've always found that really difficult to to tolerate when the rest of the group is really up and happy and happening that somebody walks in and just disrupts it. And it only ever takes one. One person can bring down a whole group because negative emotion just, it has so much more weight and gravitas than, than good energy and positive vibes. So it's just really, really interesting when we're attracted to others because we're vibing on that same level and we feel the same way. As I said in episode 29 about emotional transference, what you experience, you pass on. So emotions are what bind us, connect us, whether it's positive or negative. For those who like to be more positive, you'll be attracted to people who choose to feel the same way. And you'll pay attention to them. You'll be more attracted to positive vibes 
And for those of you who have uh, more negativity, the same goes. So I have a colleague, Chantel, and she's a ray of sunshine. I've met two people like her in my life, Jacinta and Chantel, and they are open, they are optimistic, they are self-disciplined, they very much lack judgment in others, which means they lack that judgment in themselves, and they receive based on their ability to own who they are, to be themselves, and to attract similar to them. And it's an incredible thing to witness and to have that in your life. I feel really fortunate to have had women like that in my life, you know, whether they are now or in the future or they're not. I've learned so much from them. And it's just a beautiful thing to be a witness to the way that they conduct themselves in their life and the way that they progress and they do what they do. And sometimes their energy is youthful. And sometimes I've seen people view it as maybe immature or naive because you know, that that sometimes that fun loving isn't seen as mature. Um, but to be honest, I'd rather be that way. I would rather be hopeful and energized, passionate, open, connected, you know, both to themselves and to others. They like that. They radiate positivity and they refuse to settle for anything less. They have strong boundaries And it's a really, really beautiful example that they set and beautiful thing to watch. So if you're somebody that's listening to this thinking, yeah, I'm a positive person and I seem to get judged for it by, you know, it might be seniors in the business that you work with or family or, you know, you might get that from every angle. Please don't ever change. Please ignore what happens outside of you and stick to what you do, who you are, how you want to behave because positivity is something that the world needs so much more of and whether or not others judge you or observe you, you are making a difference. You absolutely are and it's a really, really important thing to understand that as long as you're making you happy, that's all that matters. And often if you are receiving judgment from others, that judgment is theirs and theirs alone. It actually has nothing to do with you. It's just what your state and who you are brings out in them that they're not liking. So keep going. Keep being positive and optimistic and open because the world needs more people like that. When I left my house to go to my grandfather's funeral, this discomfort just washed right over me. And I thought I'd done enough emotional release, as I said, the night he passed. I thought I was all cried out. But as soon as Damien looked at me and said, we should probably go, this wave of discomfort, like that sickness in your stomach, just came right over me. I could have stayed touching up my makeup and fiddling with my clothes for an extra five hours if I'd had to. (laughs) And I say discomfort because that's really what it was. I, I was uncomfortable, not only in my clothes, but my own skin. And I couldn't pinpoint the emotion that I was feeling. I was just so uncomfortable and I fiddled. And Damien drove me out to the funeral home to get out of the funeral home, the road goes past where my grandfather had been living for the last few years and I just wanted the car to stop. 
I just wanted the car to turn around and go any other way than that way. And I walked into where the funeral was happening and I saw all of these people I knew that I'd known for most of my life but hadn't seen in years, people I didn't expect to see. And so I ended up just buzzing around the place like it was a party, to be honest. And it was my brother's partner at the time who, you know, had beautiful depth to her and she didn't ask superficial things. And she just looked right at me and she said, how are you doing? And it was that deep heartfelt, I can see through this and I know you're not okay kind of question. And I just started crying and I was like, I just don't want to be here. And it's interesting because it's so rare that I feel this way. You know, I'm normally really in tune with how I'm feeling and I'm like, okay, let's just sense check this for a second. But I I was in complete fight or flight mode and I just wanted to run. I just wanted to run away. And the next thing that happened was my mum was ushering everyone to their seats, you know, saying it's time to sit down. And I don't know if I said it out loud, but everything in me was just like, no, I'm not going. (laughs) I don't want to sit down. I'm not doing this. Nope, I do not want to be here. I don't want to do this. And looking back, it was the most vulnerable I have felt in such a long time. And it was the most mature, immature and vulnerable part of myself coming out, just being like, please don't make me do this. Please don't make me do this. I just didn't want to do it or sit down or face any of it. I didn't want to say goodbye. I wasn't ready. And the reason I talk about this is because everything in me wanted to run. I wanted to run and be anywhere but there. And I don't think I'm alone in this feeling. I think so many people have this feeling and it may be about death. It may be about so many other things, but we have this discomfort. It may not be that extreme or it might be, but this feeling of like, I don't want to do this. I don't want to face this. I don't want to feel like this. And With a funeral, it's the only thing that forces me to actually sit in that discomfort. Everything else I can run away from. You know, I can go and drink or eat chocolate or, you know, I've got all the choices to buffer away any way I want to. I can do it. But for a funeral, when somebody's passed, there's no option. You have to sit in it and you have to say goodbye because they're gone. And so it was just really interesting, which is why I want to talk about it. Because if you're feeling this level of discomfort, then it's okay. It feels terrible, but you're not alone. It brings out the most unresourceful parts of ourselves. It shifts us into this part of ourselves that we don't often allow to have a voice because we're not allowed to be a child or to say we don't want to or we just want to run away. We can't do do that. That's not how life works it's not how we're supposed to operate but we need to hear that voice that voice that inner part of us you know that's really vulnerable needs to be heard and soothed and sometimes you know they need to be honored because they're a part of you and even though the funeral has been and gone and we've said goodbye I'm still experiencing these huge waves of sadness that he's gone and not even the fact that he's passed, but the potential of what, what won't happen in our family anymore. Now our patriarch has gone. I don't think our family will be structured in the same way as it was all those generations ago. Because I'm not sure families are the same as they used to be. I think so often 
any discomfort or emotion that we're experiencing that stops us moving forward and stops us getting what we want in the way of a result or comfort or goals that we're trying to achieve. You know, it's a very similar thing. While it might not be grief, until we can sit in the emotion we don't want to be experiencing and hold space for ourselves and feel what we need to feel, even though it's crap and we hate it, but instead of drinking or eating or, you know, doing all of these other things that we can do, however it is you may deal with your grievances, until we can truly sit in our discomfort and allow it and stop fighting it, we're never going to truly and sustainably get through it permanently. It was amazing sitting in that funeral home and just I had this out-of-body experience where I was just thinking, oh, wow, you know, this inner, it was almost like a teenage version of myself just was grieving and it was so full on. It was just, yeah, amazing, amazing to experience um, and not fun, not very fun at all. It's one of the most uncomfortable things to experience, I think, but learning to accept it and instead of fighting, breathe into it long enough to let it pass, we can truly process the emotion. So when my grandfather's funeral started and I'd sat down and I didn't have an escape route, I couldn't fall on the floor and have a meltdown like I'd had the night he passed. I had to sit and I had to feel uncomfortable and I had to just go through the motions and realize that that feeling wasn't going to kill me. I wasn't going to vomit. It was just it was just a matter of sitting in it. And unfortunately, it's not a bear hunt. You know, it's not one of the instances where you can't go around it or over it or under it. You really have to sit in it and let it pass, let it move through you. You know, I've tried. I've tried skirting it. And I think it's safe to say that we all have at some point in our lives because to go through it can be immensely painful. But there is no escaping it. It's there. It's real. It exists. And one of the best things that we can learn to do in our lives, I believe, is to learn how to sit in that ickiness and that pain and discomfort. Because only then can we process things and accept them and grow and move forward. And that might be tiny little things that we experience every single day. Like we've just had chocolates put back in my office at work and I'm like, ah, I don't want to eat them, but they're there and they're calling my name. And it's like, no, like just every day I don't have one of those office snacks is a win. Seriously, I know it's, that sounds crazy, right? But every day I do not have one of those office snacks is a, is a day I walk out feeling that much prouder of myself. But being able to sit in that discomfort and acknowledge that it's there and be like, no, I'm going to sit in this discomfort instead of choose to feel comfortable and eat it, which only leads to discomfort later. You know, it's just this never ending vicious cycle. So no matter what kind of pain you're in, in whatever area of, of your life you might be experiencing it, just remember that it's just a feeling. It won't hurt you. It will feel awful, but it can't hurt you. The feeling, I mean. So sit in the discomfort. 
Acknowledge it. Find it in your body. Allow it. Breathe into it. And then we can move forward. I'll see you next week. Hey, before you go, I always find reviews really helpful when looking for new information or insights. If you found this podcast valuable, please take a minute to write a quick review about what you found most beneficial so that other people can benefit from your insights and have the listen as well. I would love that. Also, if there are any topics you want me to cover specifically about life coaching or the life coaching industry, visit rhiannonbush.com to contact me. Thanks for joining and I'll see you in the next episode of the Do I Need a Life Coach podcast.